You're listening to Right Where You Are, hosted by New York Times bestselling author, creator, and speaker, Jason Wright. With inspiring guest interviews and Jason's unique lens on life, this is the place to see the good in the world, to lift and be lifted, no matter your starting point, to make a difference that matters. And we'll do it all together, right where you are. Hello, world. It's Jason Wright, and I am so glad that you're back here at Right Where You Are. As always, if you could just do me a real quick favor, rate and review the show, particularly on Apple Podcasts. It's really important, but also wherever you catch your favorite shows. Always grateful for those reviews and ratings and keep them honest and real. That's important to me as well. Uh, Look, I know I say this all the time, every week, I think I say this, but I am so honestly, legitimately excited about this episode and this week. My guest and I have been trying to connect for about a month, and it will soon become obvious to you why it's been a challenge uh, for our guest to carve out time when uh, she is dealing with, obviously, much more pressing responsibilities than just chatting with uh, me on a podcast. But she is here, and her story is just, um, it is everything. It is, it's a love story. It's uh, It's a wedding story, but it's also a a heartbreaking story in some ways. And it is about two people who love each other so deeply that the heart endures even when the mind and memories have begun to say goodbye. Her name is Lisa Marshall, and I am so honored that she's sharing time with us today. Hi, Lisa. Good morning. Thank you so much for having me. I'm Oh. So glad we finally got to connect. Oh, me me too. And I have just been absorbing all of your great content, your other interviews, your stuff on social media, which we'll talk about in a minute. Uh, and so I'm just so thankful that I sort of have my shot now to to sort of connect one-on-one with you. And I, I do recognize our, our time is short. Your time is very precious. So I don't, I don't want to waste any time. We connected through a mutual friend, Steve Hartman. Uh, he did the story on me a few years ago, and he did a story, of course, on you quite recently. Steve was a guest back on July 1st, and after we stopped recording that particular interview, uh, he brought you up and we started chatting and he said, uh, let me reach out to her and see if she'd be interested in a discussion on right where you are, because he thought that you would be just the most perfect guest, and I'm certain that he was right. All right. Your story is, it is about more than a wedding, but it is such a beautiful place to start. So if you wouldn't mind, tell us how that came to be and kind of how that felt. Sure. Uh, so it was just a regular day. You know, we were just watching TV, winding down for the day and uh, watching an episode of New Girl. And in case mm-hmm. you haven't seen it, I won't spoil it, but there was a wedding. <laughs> uh, there was a wedding and I was, I'm an emotional person. So of course I was sitting there, you know, blubbering about this wedding and crying. And Peter always laughs at me when I cry about the TV. And so he was laughing at me and And I paused it to grab a tissue and Peter pointed to the TV and he said, let's do it. And I was confused. And I said, do what? 
And he's, and he pointed to the TV again and he had this big, silly grin on his face. He goes that. And I said, you want to get married? And he said, yes. And he was smiling ear to ear. And, um, and I said, are you asking me to marry you? And he said, yes. And he was just so smitten. And I said, and he said, it's going to be a lot of work though. And that's when I grabbed my phone and I just started to record because I knew that it was going to be special. And in the next moments, um, I captured some really lovely things where Peter said, do you like me? And he wanted to, you know, confirm that I was actually saying yes to his proposal and that we, Hmm. it was the right move. It was very, very sweet. It feels so sweet and middle school, doesn't it? Like he slipped a locker (laughs) note, like, you know, the little slits in the locker before cell phones. And he'd like slide a little note that says, do you like me? Checkbox. Yes or no. So you did checkbox. Yes. For him, I guess, verbally. I did. But, you know, not only was it the words that were so sweet, but the expression on his face, because it took him a few seconds to muster up the courage to say, do you like me? Because that Mm. could be any answer, right? Mm, Yeah. Yeah, it could be. So, so it's a proposal, but it, it wasn't, it wasn't your first. Um, I I mean, how do you compare your, your first proposal years ago to this one that to him felt new, even though, I mean, to him, it felt like the first time, right? Well, it was unexpected the second time for me. And so it was almost sweeter because, Mm. our, you know, the first proposal came after, I want to say five years of a long distance relationship when I lived in Harrisburg and Peter lived in, in Connecticut and we were long distance for eight years. So, you know, once that proposal came, it was like, all right, dude, it's about time. (laughs) (laughs) And And so that was an expected proposal. I mean, not at the time he proposed, but around, you know, I knew it was coming at some point, but this one was completely different. So we'll link to, you know, the video with Steve Hartman and and some of your other interviews and of course, all of your social media, so people can catch up a little bit. Um, But just tell us, we, we have all heard, I've heard this term early onset Alzheimer's. I don't frankly know much about it. And I'm not sure how many people listening today really understand what that means. You have been through a crash course personally. So help us understand that. Yeah, I love that. I love that terminology crash course, because when we were diagnosed, which was April 30th, 2018, um, I had no idea what we were getting into. And I literally stood up and said, let's go get a beer. Let's go get lunch. And we did get the doctor. Yeah. Yeah. And we, we left Yale neurology and found a little pub and, and had a delightful lunch and then drove the hour home. Um, not knowing anything, assuming that there was some prescription to pick up on the way, like a common cold or something. And once I started researching, um, you know, I realized that this is terminal and the love of my life um, had, you know, a death sentence. So it's been very eye-opening and I have done a ton of research. And what I found was that there isn't a lot of information on early onset Alzheimer's. Um, and it, it's, you know, for me, 
I knew Alzheimer's as an old person's disease. Oh, you get that when you're 80 or 90, you know, at the mm -hmm. end of your life, when you're mm -hmm. nice and old and you've lived a full life, but that's not the case. There are uh, many people who are young. Uh, you know, we had we had another decade of work to work, you know, until we were going to retire. So we are now 55 and 56. Peter's older, I'm younger. Let's just be very clear about that. <laughs> <laughs> and so, you know, I, I believe the the formal term or the formal definition is if you are diagnosed with Alzheimer's under the age of 65. But, you know, people were diagnosed in their 40s. And I believe Peter started showing signs in his late 40s. Really? So late forties. And then, uh, so he would have been 52 or three at diagnosis. Yeah, he was, he was 52 when I first took him to his primary care physician. And then it took, um, a year and three months to get a diagnosis after that. So then he would have been 53. And now that you know so much ab about, and I'm sure you're still continuing to learn, mm. does it surprise you that it took up more than a year for them to say, we think this is it? It does surprise me um, that it took so long, but I think that it's also new. And I hear over and over from people on the blog that say we were misdiagnosed or the neurologist said my husband suffered from depression or, you know, they just couldn't come up with an answer because it's so unbelievable for, you know, young people to be afflicted with this. And otherwise healthy, I mean, is Peter, you know, otherwise healthy 56 year old man? Yes. I mean, we've, he's run, he's run a marathon. He's mm. run, you know, oodles of half marathons. We eat healthy, you know, exercise, you know, we do all the right things. And uh, so there is no history in his family either. He never had a brain injury, which is often asked. Hmm. Uh, there's just been no, no sign or any reasoning for why Peter. And yet here you are. And, you know, a challenge that you, no one ever asks for, obviously it couldn't be more unexpected, but I think you have found and are finding just this most beautiful way to channel all of this, the knowledge and the lessons and the love uh, through this blog and through your work on social media. So tell us about, oh, hello, Alzheimer's. It's such a great name, by the way. Thank you. Thank you so much. I, I, I started it, I think, I didn't know this until recently when people started asking me, why did you start the blog? You know, why are you allowing people to see inside your home and inside um, so vulnerably. And I think I was screaming for help because, you know, Peter and I have a magical love story and I didn't even realize how magical our love story was. Um, but I think I was screaming for help. Like, look at what's happening to us. Somebody has to do something. Somebody stop this. And I think that's why I started it. But now fast forward a few years, um, I couldn't find much information or anybody who was ahead of me in the journey to tell me the things that were real. Um, mm. You know, there's kind of a broad stroke thing. Oh, they're going, there's going to be confusion. You're going to need to do this. Gonna, but, but there's very few outlets that tell you what actually happens. And so um, I think that when you deal with these situations, with kindness and your heart at the forefront, 
you always do the, you know, you try to do the right thing and try to handle it with grace. Well, and you know, social media, as you well know, we, we have since day one of Facebook and Instagram, the world has put out its very best and in, in most cases, only its very best, right? The polished and the filtered and, and look, look at how great my life is. And so many people on social media, they're there because they they're so aspirational. They, they want that life of that person they're following or that influencer. So I love the transparency right into your world and through the photos and the videos in particular, it's like, we're, it's like we get to come visit you uh, for a few minutes every day or a week or month and, and get a sense of what this is like. And I think the world needs more people like you willing to open the digital drapes, if you will, on their living room and say, look at what this is really like. Cause you won't learn unless you really can see and get a taste of the good and the bad and the ugly and the gritty, as you said. It's so true. It's so true. So I, you know, since we've gotten a little bit of press, more and more caregivers like myself, spouses, um, not only spouses, but people in the medical industry too, doctors, medical students, nurses, people who are working in long-term care facilities, they are messaging me and saying, thank you. I feel like I have a place um, you know, you're going through what I'm going through, or I get messages all the time. Oh my gosh, my husband was diagnosed when he was 52. You know, and the stories are very, very, very similar. Um, I had a med student uh, message me, and he said he just he just graduated, and he found my blog, and he said I could never learn any of the things that you're teaching me mm. in med school, and this is going to help me care more carefully or gently with my, you know, my patients. So that to me, I'm chills just thinking about that because that's the, that's the space that I want. I want a place where caregivers or family members can go and they can hear and they can learn and they can speak freely and they can just feel a sense of community. And that's what we're doing. We're just linking arms together because it's new for all of us, you know, Mm -hmm. and not only am I supporting them, they're supporting me too. Yeah. And, and no question that comes to you is, is a dumb question because we all have them because it is so misunderstood. And I think it's so fascinating to consider that Peter has no idea, does he, of the impact that the two of you are having around the world and no. doing what you've just described so beautifully. And I mean, this med student, I would think a few years ago, uh, Peter might've been so touched and humbled to know that, right? And today. Yeah. Um, does it make you a little bit, I don't know, a little blue to know that you're the greatest beneficiary of that, that kindness from people who are expressing just how important your message is to them? Do you wish Peter had a little better sense of the impact he's making? Cause you know, it's, it's his story too, right? It is his story and it's bittersweet because it makes me very sad that he doesn't understand what is happening. Um, and the change, not change, but the impact, as you said, that, you know, he is having, and I'm just telling the words of his story, but Mm. you know, the sad, the other sad part is darn it. I wish I didn't have to write this blog. You know, it would be better if we could just be, you know, quiet country folk in our little lake house and not be, you know, dealing with early onset Alzheimer's. And that's what makes, I think your story and you, you personally, so, um, 
courageous and you clearly have such a willing heart that you've said, didn't ask for any of this, still don't want it. I'll gladly <laughs> give it back if I, if I can, but it's here, it's mine. And I'm going to make the very best of it by, uh, by educating the world in whatever sort of creative and, and unique way that I can. One of my favorite people, a, a childhood neighbor, uh, grew up across the street from, from her and, and her mother. Um, she lost her mother recently, and um, it was a, this long, slow journey with dementia. And my friend, Catherine, who I hope is listening, she would say that every day it seemed that another memory and a moment was, was gone where uh, by the time her sweet mom passed, um, she remembered almost nothing of the world around her. Has it, does it feel like that for you? And, and if so, how are you finding hope to know that this, this isn't reversible, right? No, no, there's absolutely no cure. Um, Yes, I do find that every day. Every morning when I wake up is a new day um, with less memory. And Peter's decline has been extremely rapid over the past three years. Um, you know, he does have lucid moments and he does have um, he does have times when he shocks me when he remembers something. Um, but you know, the way to continue to find hope is to wake up every day and do your very, very best to find any kind of joy that you can. And, you know, I say all the time, let go of the things that don't matter. It doesn't matter if your house is not clean. The moments, the minutes that you spend doing the that minutia instead of holding the hand of the person you love, you know, it's just, it's wasted time. From here on, I'm creating memories for myself so that I'm going to be able to help myself heal later. And sitting on our porch, holding Peter's hand for a couple of hours, watching birds and watching, you know, the sprinkler and the traffic is more meaningful to me than the time I would waste cleaning up the dog hair on my floor. Yeah. I mean, who, who will get to the end of this life? And look back and think to themselves, oh, I wish I had just vacuumed one more time, just <laughs> one more time, right? Uh, Lisa, are you worn out? Are you just, I mean, how can people help you? How can people help other caregivers? What, what advice do you have for those of us that struggle to know how to help somebody that must, you must just lay down every night exhausted? Yeah, I do. I do get worn out, but not every night. You know, I, I'm very, very fortunate that Peter is the kindest, sweetest, most loving person I've ever met. So he makes it a little bit easier for me than a lot of people. He's not argumentative. You know, he's, his demeanor is very sweet. So he make, he's always just been easy to love, you know? So I'm not worn out all the time. However, I do get worn out there. You know, you repeat yourself constantly. Um, Peter's at a point now that he doesn't understand direction. It's hard to communicate with words many times. And so I find myself gesturing to him more like pointing in the direction I want him to go, you know, or things like that. 
But what I would advise is as a caregiver, you, you absolutely need to find ways to take care of yourself. Um, if that means that you have a friend or family member come over and sit with your loved one while you just go get a bath and relax, light some candles, take a walk, take a bike ride, whatever it is that you do that makes you feel, you know, a little bit more zen and able to breathe. I mean, there are days that I can't even take a full breath because I'm, you know, your stress level and your anxiety are just so high. So also something that was extremely difficult for me because I've been an independent woman my whole life. I think I came out of my mother's womb yelling, I can do it myself. Well, I can't, I can't do this myself. I can't, I need the village that I have that surrounds me. And I have learned to ask for help, which is the hardest, hardest part for me. People want to help. You know, you think about yourself. When you help someone, how does that make you feel? Great, helpful, right? Mm -hmm. So I had to change my mindset and say, okay, this is not about my ego and asking for help. Yes, I do need help. But somebody wants to help. They just don't know how. You need to tell them. So not only ask for help, but explain what you need because people don't know what you need. They don't realize that five o'clock rolls around in the, in the evening and I'm so exhausted. I haven't thought about dinner, but boy, wouldn't it be great if I could just open my freezer and there's a meal that I can just throw in the oven or the microwave and it's a good, healthy, you know, nutritious meal for my husband and myself. So that's something that's super helpful for people. And oftentimes in the beginning, when people would say, Hey, what do you need? How can I help? Oh, no, no, no. I'm fine. I'm just fine. I'm great. And so sometimes people are too stubborn to say even yes, when you're, when you're being offered help. So Mm. as a person who wants to help just show up, I'm not saying, I'm not saying show up uninvited or, you know, unexpected, but I'm coming over tonight. What time is a good time? I'm going to drop a meal off or I'm going to do this for you or, you know, something. And you almost have to push yourself into the caregiver's life because it's so hard to say yes. That is such great advice. And it, it reminds me, my, my parents taught uh, me and my siblings at a pretty young age that you know, service really, we were very service oriented and, and um, me less so of the family. <laughs> it took me a lot longer to learn the value of, of kindness and, and serving others than it did the rest of the family. But that, that not only do we need to uh, give service at every opportunity, but sometimes we just have to be willing to say, you know what? Yes, you can open that door for me, or yes, you can pay for lunch this time, or yes, I'll take a meal. Uh, because they need to do the service. They need the blessing and that good feeling that you mentioned that comes from being the one to provide the service. So if you're always saying no, even if you think you're Superman or Superwoman, you're denying people around you the opportunity to do what what they are yearning to do, which is to give a little bit of themselves to you. And and it can be hard, right? It can be hard to say yes, drop the meal off. Yeah, it can be very, very hard. But you know what? Like anything else, the more you practice it, the easier it gets, you know, and I don't know what we're afraid of as human beings, you know, uh, you know, I guess it's all ego. Like I said mm-hmm. before, Oh no, mm-hmm. I can do it myself. Mm-hmm. You know what? I, and I can't, I can't do it all myself. So the more I practice saying yes, the better I get at it. Such great advice. I love that so much. We are going to take a really short break 
Maybe, maybe I will go start a meal that I'll drop off at your house <laughs> later today. I'll have to leave now at the long drive, but we'll, we'll take a really short break and we'll be right back with Lisa. Hey friends, let me take just a second to tell you about Buzzsprout. Buzzsprout is of course our podcast host and platform. And look, I researched every imaginable option for this podcast for months, including starting some trials at a few of them. And I just found that absolutely Buzzsprout was the right fit. Following the link, and the show notes lets Buzzsprout know that we sent you here right where you are. It gets you a $20 Amazon gift card if you sign up for one of their paid plans. And of course, it helps support this show. Start with whatever gear you already have. You don't need to spend a lot of money. You just need a quiet space and a mic. It really is that simple. If you have ever thought about starting a podcast, now is the time. And I promise you that Buzzsprout is the right partner. They make sure that your show gets listed in every major podcast platform. Uh, they give you a great-looking podcast website. They give you all kinds of analytics and data that tell you how people are listening and where they're listening and all sorts of tools to promote your episodes. For me personally, their support is probably the highlight. Uh, their support is so fast. Sometimes it feels like I get responses back to questions <laughs> before I have even sent them. So, uh, fun fact Nearly 500 people every single day start a podcast on Buzzsprout, and there's a reason why. So go find out what all the, wait for it, buzz is about at Buzzsprout. All right, we're back with Lisa. And uh, Lisa, we've talked about this before. I've heard you talk about this um, in other interviews. We have so much work to do here uh, in, in the country, within the halls of government as friends and neighbors and church groups and, and nonprofits, so much work to understand this better, um, Alzheimer's. And where does that start? Tell us. It starts with, um, well, Peter and I are in the top 15 nationally uh, on our walk to end Alzheimer's. So that walk is going to take place October 3rd, um, but we need more donations to fund research uh, for a cure. That, I mean, that, that's number one. My, I have a grandson who's 20, almost 22 months old, and let me breathe. <laughs> mm-hmm. I don't want him to ever have to go through this, you know, like like we are, he, it it kills me that he's not going to remember his poppy who Mm -hmm. he adores. So that's number one. Let me just breathe. (laughs) Okay. And he's darling, by the way. Oh, thank you. I think the most recent video of him just giggling in your face and scurrying off through the kitchen (gasps) is I watched it 15 times. It's just, it, it uh, brightened my day. It is. I just got chills again. but we hadn't seen each other for two weeks. Now I watch him every single Sunday for, you know, hours and hours and hours while his parents work and we hadn't seen each other for two weeks. And it was a, it was just such a joyful reunion that day. It was so great for both of us. So back to your question. Um, another, another problem is for instance, with early onset is Peter had to retire at the age of what 54, I believe. And I retired at the age of 54. Now, we were lucky. We had been very good savers, but not everybody is as lucky and fortunate as we are. So we lost our salaries. We lost our medical benefits, which were employer paid. 
we lost our ability to pay into social security, you know, and, and that part I'm talking about the caregiver because Peter does now collect social security disability, but there's a lot of things that need to be done um, in that, you know, in that arena where perhaps a caregiver who needed to quit her job or his job to take care of the spouse could also collect social security disability at the same time, you know, when her husband is, is eligible, or perhaps there are reduced cost plans, you know, medical plans that, you know, we could benefit from instead of paying out of pocket Mm -hmm. or, you know, early Medicare. Um, So those are some of the, the areas that we need help in. Another another thing that really bothers me is the quality of caregiver in some of these um, not facilities, but when you when you hire a caregiver to come into your home, we hired seven separate caregivers. Oh my! And listen, I'm pretty particular about who cares for Peter, but I don't think that asking the caregiver not to lose my husband. (laughs) is a is a big ass right seems like you know kind of job one right right so he he was lost somebody he walked out the front door and the caregiver didn't even know i have cameras throughout my home to you know to keep an eye on peter and they know that there are there are cameras and they still just sit on their phone so the quality of care is not great um when the agency is touting that they are, you're paying extra money for a caregiver who is trained in Alzheimer's or trained in dementia care. You know, that means that they've watched a video and they were probably on their phone while they were watching a video. So that, I think the quality of caregiver needs, needs to change. Okay, Lisa. So we we need people to help. I have been seeing the word raffle Raffle, 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 raffle. Say that 10 <laughs> times all over your social media. Tell us about this raffle and how people can get involved. Okay. So, first of all, oh my gosh, it was just such a great outpouring of help from former clients of mine. I used to sell advertising. And so, mm-hmm. and, and just, just people in general saying, I have this item, I'm going to send it to you. And so, lots of, lots of, of, wonderfully generous people have donated um, either gift certificates to restaurants or products. So some of the things are very local to where we live, but some of the things are very shippable to anywhere. Um, And so I've collected over almost $6,000 worth of prizes. I think there's right now 26 different, you know, baskets of prizes. And so, I'm going to be doing a book signing for my little book that I have, Little Story in Chicken Soup for the Soul, which is about navigating dementia and Alzheimer's. And so um, we're going to be doing um, the raffle. We're going to kick it off there. Um, I will not say if it's going to be online or not going to be online (laughs) after that. Hmm. But but if you log on to the blog and stay tuned, you know, very cool. Well, there, I mean, I, I'm looking through the list of things now, and of course we'll, we'll share all these links in the show notes, but, um, I kind of want the dog. I kind of oh want my, the dog that Peter oh, is holding. How cute is we, ha- we actually have that dog 
And he's so cute. So he's, it's a dog that's motion censored and mm. he's very cute. He's a little golden retriever or a, yeah. I yeah. think so. Yeah. yeah. Little. Yeah. And so he's very cute. He has a little scarf. And when you walk by him or you pet him, he, you know, he, he moves and his mouth opens and, and Peter just loves him. Peter will sit with him on the lap, on his lap and he'll talk to him. Like he's his friend. It's very cute. We also have the cat. Well, okay. I'm going to skip the cat cause I'm allergic, <laughs> but I am, I am, uh, I'm going to put some money down for this raffle because I need that dog for my, uh, for my two little grandkids that are coming to visit this summer. So, um, and if you just want to ship it now, that's fine. That's how confident (laughs) I am that I'm winning the dog. Okay. So all the links are in the show notes, folks. Um, uh, this will all become clear over the days and weeks and months to come, how you can get involved and how every penny goes to, um, this, this beautiful cause. And it, it really does start just to loop back to where we uh, began this, um, this particular thread of our discussion. It starts with resources and research, and we can't move forward without uh, resources. Um, and in this country, with the minds that we have in this country and the problems that we have solved in this country, we ought to be able to tackle this and solve it, even if it takes time, don't you think? I do think so. And not only this country, I don't care who comes up with the cure. It could be any country, you know, any, any brilliant group of minds that, that can figure this out. Somebody just please do it. Yeah, please do it. Absolutely. Um, Absolutely. Okay. I want to know if you had, if you had one more day where you just woke up and Peter remembered every single thing from the day that two of you first met or from his own uh, childhood, what, what would you do with that day? What what would you do with one more day of a complete and whole and aware Peter? Oh my goodness. I was not prepared for that question, Jason. Hmm. I actually dream like that sometimes. In fact, last night I had a very vivid dream that um, Peter and I were, uh, you know, old, old Lisa and Peter, um, there is part of me some days that gets very anxious and very uh, panicky that I am forgetting who he was. Um, so that's really hard for me. Um, I don't know what I would do with that day. We would probably, you know what we would do? I know what we would do. We would, we would go out on the porch, play backgammon, eat expensive cheese, drink lovely wine. And we would just talk about all the memories. And we would, you know, what I miss most is arguing, not really arguing, but bantering, just like intellectual conversation back and forth. You know, when you, when you go home, you know, you've got your best friend or your partner or whoever, and you, you want to tell them, Hey, today I did this, or guess what happened to me today? Or darn it, this happened to me. And this is how I handled it. But you, you know, you banter back and forth and you discuss things. And that's what I miss the most. So I think that's exactly what we would do. We wouldn't do anything extravagant. We would just really share the time with, with so much depth and quality. And I, if I got 24 hours, I wouldn't sleep. I wouldn't sleep a wink. That's beautiful. I, and I wonder what Peter would say to the same question. I suspect it would he be is, the exact same, right? He is grinning behind the screen. He is grinning ear to ear at my answer. Mm-hmm. 
I love that so much. All right. Uh, we're going to ask you our last two questions. Every guest gets these last two questions. The name of the podcast is right where you are, W-R-I-G-H-T. Uh, a fun little play on uh, my last name, of course. It's so interesting to me now as, as we get through um, you know, several months of the podcast, how, how different the answers are to that question. What, what does that mean to you? And the commonalities that come out from different guests from across the spectrum. So, so tell me, Lisa, what does that name right where you are? What does that mean to you? That's so easy. Right where you are, you just have to appreciate everything about every moment that you're in, you know, I appreciate right now that Peter is sitting 10 feet away from me, hearing my words, you know, and smiling and he's, he has tears in his eyes, you know? Mm. Um, so I think you need to not waste time, uh, as I mentioned earlier, but really be so grateful for, for right now and everything that you have just finding mm. joy, you know? Finding joy and not having regrets, which I've heard you talk about. Yeah, well. yeah. That's that's the mantra the whole way through. It's no regrets. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I posted today about uh, taking Peter out on the lake in the kayak, which we hadn't done in years. Shame, shame, shame on me. And, <laughs> um, you know, I just kind of kept putting it off and thinking, oh, that's going to be a lot of work to get it down there. And then, you know, I don't know how the, how he's going to manage it. And And, you know, I just said, I got to do it. If I don't do it, I'm going to regret it. And it was the same with the vow renewal. Um, I did not expect to actually have a ceremony at all. And he asked me to marry him uh, in December. And I did not say yes until February. So, and that's when I reminded myself that my mantra was no regrets. So you, I I had to do it. (laughs) I was committed to myself to not have any regrets. Oh, that is so beautifully expressed. And, um, and maybe that ties into this last question. Uh, I wonder where you'll go with this years from now, um, after uh, this interview and all of your other press and your book and your raffles and your fundraising and your life, you know, this, this will just become distant memories for people. But, but if you could choose just one thing that you would want the world, everybody to remember about you, about Peter, about this unexpected journey, what would that be? What what would be your one thing? It would be the joy and no regret, like, uh, you know, finding joy in the smallest of things. For instance, if Peter will allow me to shave his head without struggle, that's joyful, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I heard that in the background. Did you hear him giggle? I heard him <laughs> chuckle. Yeah. He's smiling. <laughs> you know, so anything, it's not raining or it's not raining hard. We can go outside if it's not raining hard, right? Hard, you know, drizzle doesn't, doesn't melt sidewalk chalk. Hard rain melts sidewalk chalk. Mm. So, you know, you just have to find the silver lining in every, in every cloud, so to speak. And just, um, Find the joy. Find the joy. I think it would be so beautiful if in five or 10 or 20 years, you were in an, you know, an airport somewhere, standing at a gate, heading off to some far-flung destination, probably <laughs> still talking about this and this passion and this mission. And someone walked up to you and said, 
find the joy. I hope that you're finding the joy. Wouldn't that just be the most, the most lovely thing? Yes, that would be great. I wish the world could see the smile and the tears and just the radiance in your countenance here on Zoom this morning. And it's been just such an honor to spend some time with you. Um, I know that you have um, a friend on the other side of the camera who'd probably like to go outside and do something awesome today. So (laughs) we'll let you go. Please tell him, um, you know, his, his heart and his soul will understand. I'm sure the message that um, the world is rooting for the two of you and cheering for you and praying for you. And, and uh, most importantly, we're just here for you. Thank you so much um, for having me for having us <laughs> as Peter's here with me and just for helping me to spread the, the awareness about early onset and just reminding people to slow down and find that joy. Absolutely. We'll keep in touch. Okay. Take care. Thank you for joining us on Right Where You Are. For more information about Jason and his projects, visit him online at jasonfright.com or on social media at facebook.com slash jfwbooks or on Instagram at jasonfright. And be sure to subscribe to Right Where You Are wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. This has been a production of Right Media Productions. Copyright 2021 by Jason F. Wright. All rights reserved.